Well, Merry Christmas. Uh, just so y'all know, it sounds a little bit like a hospital ward in here this morning. Know what I'm saying? You hearing all the coughing going on? Man, do I have some medicine for you. I'm not going to go into any detail, but so some of you have asked, what medicine was that? Like how many thousands of people have asked us? So just so you know, it was just standard off-the-shelf stuff. It was uh, Alka-Seltzer Plus cold cough and flu daytime medicine. So there you go. Little. Let's pray. No. All right. Hey, we are in a series called Awestruck. Awestruck. And, and we're learning how to be worshiping our God, how to see him as unbelievable, like stunning and glorious. And Lord, what do I need to see of you? That I might drop to my knees and worship you all the more. Awestruck. Okay, that's what we're talking about. And, and we've walked through a couple different sequences. We talked about him being holy. About him being great. Meaning bigger and badder than anything, anywhere. You know what I'm saying? Like he's got it going on. He's got strength. He's got power. He's got insight. There is no one and nothing that equates to him. Greatness. We talked about his sovereignty. Everything in hand. Everything goes through his hand and some things he allows and some things he disallows and some things he makes happen. Sovereignty, God in charge of all and how applicable that's been in this season as some of the tragedy has gone on around us. Sacrifice. We talked about him as our sacrificial king, our lamb come for us, uh, Isaiah 53, and then his authority. Him in charge over all, all the governments on his shoulders. That's our king. Even now today, that's Jesus Christ. And, and so today we're going to be in Isaiah 43. We're talking about his salvation, his salvation. Our God has something to provide for us. As the song just said, he came for us. And thank you, Lord, for this provision. So turn with me, if you will, to Isaiah 43, verses 1 through 15. And... Uh, We'll learn about his salvation today and how to worship him. We've got some ushers coming forward. They got Bibles in their hands. So hey, if you need a Bible, just raise your hand. They'll get one to you. Just raise your hand. They'll get a Bible to you. We're going to walk verse by verse through this. Isaiah 43 and God's salvation. Like what should we know about it and how should we respond to it? So uh, first, fear not. He calls us his own and he gives us great benefits. He calls us his own and he gives us great benefits. So we start in Isaiah 43, verse 1. It says, But now, thus says the Lord, He who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. But now, the contradiction, like, hang on, reversal, but now. And so why is it saying but? Remember, but means like, and now what that stuff I just got done saying, in, in contrast to that, right? And that's what he's saying. Like at the end of 42, there was this strong discussion of the punishment that had come. Uh, Isaiah 1 through 39 speaks of, of Israel and actually Judah being in captivity. And, and the struggle of that captivity that would be there, 1 through 39 talks all about that uh, 70 year captivity and the pain and punishment of it. And in fact, 42, looking back a little bit, He just says, so he poured out on them the heat of his anger and the might of battle. Uh, It set him on fire all around, but he did not understand. It burned him up, but he did not take it to heart. But now, 
says the Lord. Are you hearing it? Like there was some tough circumstances going on and he's waking them up and, and there was uh, hurt and there was even fire around them to wake them up. And it, tur- it says it, it actually burned them. They did not get it. They were missing it and they were being slowly wakened up. Okay. And, and as they're being wakened up, thankfully, God got their attention again. And uh, chapter 43, verse one says, but now says the Lord. Uh, he who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, like the one speaking here is your master, your creator. He knows every little thing about you. He designed you. He planned you with purpose. Uh, here's a statement. Fear not. Fear not. Uh, like, don't let it grip you. Uh, don't lose sight of what's important. Uh, Hebrews 12, fix your eyes on the author and perfecter of your good faith, Jesus Christ. Make sure your eyes are fixed on him. And guess when we start fearing? Well, that's when they're not fixed on him. When we start fixing them on the calamity around us or the struggles in our lives or the mountain of things to accomplish. And we look at it and become experts of the problem, not of the problem solver. Right? That's when we fear. And so when he says, fear not, he's saying, keep your eyes fixed on the problem solver. He made you. He knows everything about you. And fear not, for I have redeemed you. I bought you. I paid a price for you. And we're going to talk a little bit more about the redeemed word a little bit later here. But Jesus Christ, his shed blood for us. Praise be to God. His holiness satisfied. Payment made. God not compromised, uh, he redeemed us. I have called you by name, you are mine. I have called you by name, you are mine. I mean, let's be honest, doesn't it feel good to have somebody know your name, right? Like you're walking down the hallway and somebody recognizes you and it's more than just, hey, 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 hey. <laughs> right? But they know your name. And, and that's important to be having pockets of friendships and relationships where they know you and you know them and, and be building into those within the broader body and within the community and to know your name. You know, my wife had a ministry for a long time. She was a um, singer and she did things for retreats and for churches. And, and I used to travel around and just set up the sound equipment. I used to slap the stuff. You know what I mean? And she'd sing. And so she was Jana. And she's even kind of got the name, you know, where you can go with just a name, just a first name. And people are like, oh, Jonna. It's not like Tim. Oh, it's Tim. People are like, there's a thousand Tims. Steve, there's a thousand of them right in this church. Right? But Jonna. And like everybody knows who they're talking about. And so I was um, Jonna's husband. That's who I was for about 10 years, right? About 10 years, 11 years. And uh, um, it's a humbling moment when the only way you're known is by who you're married to. Uh, but you know what? The name, it matters. And God knows us as more than just some random individual out there, but he knows your name and he's calling you. If you trust in Jesus Christ as your personal savior, if you long for him to be your Lord and you let him take control, he knows your name. He made you. He created you. God almighty, personally, and privately at work in your life. That's our God. And the great hope we have in him is he protects us, really. One of the great blessings we have. 
Verse 2 goes on to describe that protection. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you, and through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned. Remember, we just talked about being burned up because they didn't take it to heart. Verse 42, and now it's, you will not be burned. Well, it's a difference. They're grasping who God is. They're trusting him. And they're saying, Lord, what do you want for me? And as they trusted him, well, God worked with them. He protected them. He maneuvered within their life so that things worked for their benefit. God was blessing them right where they stood. What an awesome protection. And um, he goes on to describe a little more of the blessing. Verse 3, for I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Hey, when God starts to define who he is in your life, uh, time to sit up and take notice. God's making some big statements here. And he said, here's the names I have. And I am the Lord. Capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. Like I am Yahweh. The I am, the great I am, the one with uh, eternity past to eternity future as part of my character. Uh, The one where I depend on no one else for existence. I exist. That's the I am. Our Lord. And then it says the very key statement. Your God. See, that, that's the deal. Why the protection? Why the blessing? Because they made him their God. And the challenge for us as we read through these passages is not to just go da 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 Read some scripture, close it, go home. But is he your God? Like, are you longing for him to be in charge in your life and saying, Lord, I hear you. And what do you want from me? You are my God. Uh, That's the call. And the promise here is to people who make that cry out to Jesus Christ. Um, For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. The Holy One. Uh, There is one like Him and none other. Uh, He is our Almighty God, our Savior, who redeems us, who ransoms us, who um, takes us out of the pit of sin and gives us an eternity of hope with Him. And that's our God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. It says then, I give you Egypt as your ransom, Cush and Seba in exchange for you. He goes on to describe it in verse 4, because you are precious in my eyes and honored, I love you. This is God speaking to uh, those who call him their God. The principle, as we tie it together to us moving forward, yes, this was to Judah, but as to us moving forward, we can declare this same thing. You are my God. And because of it, the Lord's saying, I love you and I'm protecting you. In fact, he says right after it, um, because you are precious in my eyes and honored, I love you. I give men in return for you, people in exchange for your life. Uh, what? What is that all about? And uh, You know what? When a king uh, took over, uh, there were often captors that he took. And so he would have all of these people that are sort of slaves, if you will. They've, they become his captives. Uh, but then when some of his people get captured, the first thing the king does is say, Oh, no, those are my people. And he takes the captives and he exchanges and he brings his people home. And they have fanfare as he's bringing them in. You are mine. That's what he's saying. And I care for you. 
And I love you. And as a king in war would exchange for his people. So I'm doing that with you. In Egypt and Seba and these, these names in here. These are peoples and countries and nations who refuse to respond to God. And in effect, they were captives for him. He's working with them and they will not respond. And so he's ending up saying there are times where there is exchange and the wealth that they had gets exchanged too. And you end up coming home to me and experiencing blessing. God Almighty showing his kingship and his being in charge. A huge part of the blessing. When God loves you and he works with you and you respond to him and let him care for you. There's huge protection in it. And then verse 5, he starts a gathering process. Fear not, another blessing is gathering. So here's this word, fear not again. It comes up twice. Uh, when there's repeat, make sure you see that repeat in Scripture and respond to it. Uh, he didn't say fear not because he couldn't figure out what else to say. You know what I'm saying? He's like, this is really important. I- I'm telling you, the way you live life, you-, you are going to end up getting caught up in it instead of in me. And don't do that, because that'll bring fear. And so my question or my challenge to you, he says, is to fear not, for I am with you. God's statement, fear not, for I am with you. If there was any verse you wanted to memorize in Scripture, what a powerful little phrase. Fear not, for I am with you. I will bring your offspring from the east, from the west. I will gather you. I will say to the north, give up. And to the south, do not withhold. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth. Everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. He's saying, hear me from the north, the south, the east, and the west, from all sides, from everywhere, all peoples who trust in me, I'm bringing them together. I'm gathering them up. Now, in this case, he was promising to Judah, and it's like, I'm bringing all my people home to one spot. But there is a principle in it, and do we see God executing that again in the New Testament? Absolutely, yes. Like, what's the name for the church in the Greek? Right, The name for the church is... Well, it's ecclesia. It means called out ones or gathered up ones. Like I'm calling you forth, those who trust in Christ, and I'm rallying you together, and I'm going to build you up. I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail, right? We have a gathering God, and this, this is what it's about. It's about coming together corporately and celebrating him and worshiping him, our God doing great things and us coming together and talking about it and telling about it and celebrating of it and huge blessing as we gather back together as family with him. What an awesome privilege we have to uh, to be a part of his family. You know, I I would just want to say it this way. The church has a lot of parallel to what's going on in the Old Testament. And we can learn from the Old Testament. Take time to learn. Uh, be careful. Uh, there are promises in the Old Testament that are being made to Israel. And be careful to let those promises be theirs. But know this, when God's making those promises, there is principle being taught. That's his character in the midst. And we can learn from him. And we can grow in that. And God, I'm hearing you. You're a God who blesses. You're a God who protects. You're a God who calls us together, gathers us together like family. And you pour on us the greatness of who you are. And 
Lord, please help me to celebrate that in you. Fear. It can so dominate our lives that we lose sight of what's going on. Fear. It can stop us in our tracks of growing in Christ. Uh, And it's all because we start to want something so much or worry about something so much that we start losing sight of what's going on. Uh, Fear. In fact, our society has become such an expert in fear that we've named them all. Uh, They all have the word phobia at the end, right? You know what I'm talking about? Okay, a little test here. So just shout it out. What's it mean? Uh, Claustrophobia. I'm afraid of closed spaces. All right? Claustrophobia. Hopefully that's just because we're advertising it a lot, not because you're experiencing it a ton. But arachnophobia. Yeah, I'm afraid of spiders. Uh, I might have arachnophobia. I'm not sure. I remember one day, I still tell John, I can't open up the cabinet where the peanut butter is. Because one day I did open it up. And there was a spider like the size of my head. You know what I'm saying? And as I open it up, this black monster thing jumps on the wall and runs up. And you're like, I'm never going in there again. I ended up later uh, conquering my fear, if you know what I mean. Uh, Pulled the peanut butter jar out as it was on the back side of it, threw it on the ground. The spider came out and... And I sent them to spider heaven. Uh, arachnophobia. Hey, here's one for you. Palatophobia. Yeah, not shouting that one out as fast. Palatophobia. Fear of uh, bald people. Sorry, man. Some of our staff is hurting on that one. Uh, porphyrophobia. Me too. No idea what it was until. Fear of the color purple. That's not my wife. She loves the color purple. Can you imagine that? Oh no, it's purple. I don't know. Fear of hairy people. They balance out the palatophobia, I guess. Uh, levophobia. Fear of things on the left-hand side of your body. I'm afraid of you now. I have levophobia. Right? Uh, Calyprophobia. Fear of obscure meanings. I thought that was appropriate after the last four there. If you have calyprophobia, you're probably leaving right now. Right? Fears. Hey, there's a lot of fears that are listed out there. They've done a lot of studying and and evaluating. And and the bottom line is what keeps coming out is people's fears are being labeled. But the source problem isn't being figured out, which is we need to be putting our eyes fixed on Jesus Christ. That's what we need to be doing. And when we do, we start seeing our fears as irrational. We start getting a better perspective. Fear not is a real challenge. And... uh, Fear can be crippling. It's real. It's big. It's serious. Uh, But it can be conquered easily when we have the right focus on our God and we spend the time with him properly. When we fixate our concerns on us uh, and we do not uh, trust in God to have control, well, that's when we lose it. Uh, We get a small God and a big problem. You know what I'm saying? Small God, big problem. That equals fear. Of things in this world. So uh, so here's my question for you. How are you doing with worry or fear? Uh, 
What's that thing that grips you? Where if you wake up at night and you happen to start thinking about it, you can't stop thinking about it. And it just has you. What's your fear or your worry? You got it? We all have those things that kind of get us every once in a while. What is yours? And now, then what's it look like to put Christ at the center in the midst of that and have that fear subside? Like, Lord, I'm done. I see you and I hear you as being in charge here. And I'm handing it over to you. And I'm going to fear not because you are with me. You're with me. And because of you, I celebrate you and I'm done being afraid. Fear not. That's our first call and our first challenge in worshiping him. He is a God of great blessing and salvation being a huge piece of that with the redemption. Uh, Second step is not just to fear not, but it's to tell well. Tell well. Uh, He calls us all as witnesses for him as savior. Tell well. He calls us all as witnesses for him as savior. Verse 8, it says, bring out the people who are blind, yet have eyes, who are deaf, yet have ears. All the nations gather together and the peoples assemble. Who among them can declare this and show us the former things? Let them bring their witnesses to prove them right. God's calling into a uh, position here, a court of law. He's saying, fine, we're going to call out three groups of people. And first, we're going to call out your witnesses. You want to stand against me? Then call your witnesses. You bring them forward. And then after that, I'm going to bring some of my witnesses, and then I'll bring myself. Three different people that are going to take the stand, and God makes some statements about them. The ones coming forward to stand against God. He says, well, they're blind, but they have eyes. They're deaf, but they have ears. Oh, they hear things, but they can't hear things. You know what I'm saying? It's the kind of thing where you see the defense attorney walk up and he says, uh, are you saying that you were there? Yeah. Are, are you saying that you saw God not do something? Right. You, you think that God's not this kind of character? That's correct. Do me a favor. Yeah, what's that? How many fingers am I holding up? Oh, I can't quite see it. Right. The guy's like, I don't know. I can't see from here. And you're like, I'm done with this witness. You know, that's what he's saying. Like they claim to see, but they can't see. Do you know what I'm saying? They claim to hear, but they can't hear. And that's what's going on. God's saying, I'll call forward your witnesses and I'll challenge them. They don't stand before me. In fact, I see them as lacking in sight, even though they have the eyes. It says, let them bring their witnesses to prove them right and let them hear and say it is true. Verse 10, you are my witnesses, declares the Lord. Get ready, you have a job to do. Uh, In the courts before God Almighty, our job here on earth is to bring out the truth of Jesus Christ. To be passionately sold out for him as a witness. To be longing for him to be proven right. To be shown off, if you will. To be glorified is the biblical term. Lord, we want you to be shown off. It says, you are my witnesses and my servants whom I have chosen, that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Please do me a favor. Don't be the kind of witness when they're like, what do you think of God? He's awesome. He, uh, he died for me. And 
Well, tell me a little bit about them. Yeah, I don't know. I just read about them. I've never really met him exactly. I don't spend time with him. I, I, I don't know. I don't know him. I don't, I don't understand him. I'm just telling you about him. And often we read the scriptures uh, to learn about God, much like we'd read a history book to learn about George Washington. You know what I'm saying? We're just getting factoids together and then we're done. And that's not what God's calling us to as his witnesses, as his children known by his name. He's calling us together for this purpose. Every morning we open the word, every time we hear from him, Lord, I long to hear from you. I want to know you as my king and my savior. I'm ready for this moment to rock my world. Like I'm opening this scripture up. Now teach me, Lord, not just some fact. I want to know you, not know about you. I want to understand a piece of you a little better. Lord, shape me here. I'm ready to be excited about you. I'm ready to be passionate for you. I'm ready to see what I need to set down in my life so that you can be glorified all the more. Make that time with your God in the word power time. Make that time that rocks your world where you are done being who you were. You're taking another step forward that God might be glorified. Get to know your God and understand him. And as you spend time with him in the word and in prayer, as you let God rock you, man, are you going to be a witness? Like he's saying, I'm telling you, I want you to be my witnesses. And they're like, well, tell us a little bit about him. And it just all comes pouring out. This is who my God is. This is what he was teaching me last week. And these are some things I'm struggling with now. And here's where I'm at because of his word. And he promises me where he's at. And well, how do you promise or how do you process devastation in this world? Oh, I got some answers for that. And, and here's what I'm doing because of his word. And do you know what I'm saying? Know him. Understand him. Have a deep personal walk with him. I don't know if I'm there, Tim. I'm not sure I'm really experiencing that. Today's needs to be the day. Like right now and right here, oh Lord, I'm committing. I want you to be shaping me and growing me up. I'm ready to meet you where you're at. God's challenge is that we need to be his witness. He goes a little bit further. He says, before me, no God was formed, nor shall there be any after me. Uh, God begins to now stand up and be his own witness. He's like... Hey, we've called up the witnesses against. We found them to be deaf and blind, right? And now we've called up you as witnesses and you know me and you understand me and you can back me. But listen, this is who I am. God now stands at the microphone. And they said, can you please tell us who you are? I, I am the Lord. That's who I am. Capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. Lord, God Almighty, Yahweh. The I am. That's who I am. From eternity past to eternity future, the same. I change not. I am God Almighty. That's who I am. Right? Besides me, there is no Savior. There is only one hope and one salvation. There is one way, Jesus Christ. There are how many ways? There is one way. Jesus Christ. And man, we better get that straight. 
Why celebrate Christmas? Not because it's an answer, because it's the only answer. We are in need of a savior and our sin has devastated our lives and cost us an eternity with our God. Romans 6.23 But there is an answer in salvation through him. Right? He is our gift from God. And that's the giving that goes on at Christmas. It's supposed to mirror the giving from God Almighty. And Lord, us receiving your gift, what an awesome privilege that you might be glorified. He is our Savior. There is no other. If you don't know him as Savior today, man, what an awesome gift at Christmas time. You know, forget the little totes bag or whatever you might get. Uh, life eternal with your God. Getting that straight, what a privilege. He is your Savior. Get to know him as your Savior and embrace him. Know him and understand him. Love him for who he is and what he's about. There is no other. He is Savior. I just wrote down uh, a couple of passages. Uh, Savior, Titus 2, 11 and 13. It says, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, waiting for our blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's Titus 2. Speaking of Jesus Christ in the New Testament, it's not just some Old Testament statement that he's our Savior and our only choice of Savior. Uh, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people. He is our blessed hope, Jesus Christ. That's our God. And you know, Jesus as Lord, uh, John 8, 58. John 8, 58 is a great passage. If you're like, I'm not sure, is Jesus really God? And uh, here's a passage for you, John 8, 58. Jesus is talking with the Pharisees and he's challenging them on a few things and they begin to challenge him back. And so he says to Abraham, uh, before Abraham was, or about Abraham, before Abraham was, I am, right? And uh, he should have said before Abraham was, I was. That would be appropriate grammar. Like here's God existing. Here's Abraham existing. And before Abraham existed, I existed. Like I was born before him. That would be appropriate grammar, but that's not what he said. He said, before Abraham was, I am. And uh, they understood the gravity of that claim. They heard him saying, you are the I am. You just claimed the name of Lord, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. And so their response, so they picked up stones to throw at him. Time to stone him. That's blasphemy. Jesus Christ claiming to be Lord Almighty, God. And he is Lord. He is our Savior. And then lastly here, it says he is sovereign and powerful. I declared and saved and proclaimed when there was no strange God among you. Uh, This is really a big deal. Uh, When does God make an impact in our lives? When does God seemingly move? When we set the junk down and start listening to him. Okay. When there was no strange God among you. That's a big deal. Stop with the distraction and long to hear from him. I declared and saved and proclaimed God's work in this world. And you are my my witnesses, declares the Lord, and I am God. And henceforth I am he. There is none who can deliver from my hand. I work and who can turn it back. We've talked about his greatness and his sovereignty. Now you put those two together, right? 
He is absolutely powerful and none greater than him. And he has everything going through his hand. Why is this world so trustworthy? Because he is great and sovereign all at the same time. God's in control. He gets it all. And he has absolute power and perfection. That's God standing at the microphone sharing about himself. If you're ever wanting to memorize a few verses on, Lord, I just lose sight of who you are in the midst. Um, these are some great verses, starting at verse 11. I, I am the Lord, and beside me there is no Savior. I declared and saved and proclaimed when there was no strange God among you. And you are my witnesses, and henceforth I am he. There is none who can deliver from my hand. I work, and who can turn it back? That's our God. So the simple question is, do you know your God? And are you ready to be his witness? Do you know your God and are you ready to be his witness? Well, I'd like to, Tim. I'd like to make that impact at work. I'm not even sure I know how. Okay, so three ways to uh, tell well. Three ways to tell well, all right? How am I going to tell about Jesus Christ and make it clear in the workplace or in my family? If there's unsaved family members, how do I do that? Uh, so three parts. Number one, uh, actions. Your integrity will speak actions. Uh, make sure that you're doing what God would do. You're seeing it as God would see it. You're behaving as God would call you to behave. And in his eyes, he's happy. I don't care what anybody else thinks. I'm doing this before God Almighty. And so my actions have integrity. And, and everything I do, I worry about the character of things. I work on the, the making sure the solidity of what I present is in front of people. Why? Because I serve my king. And I want you to know him. Actions. Uh, that's only one piece, though. And so a lot of us are like, yeah, I'll make it clear. I'm, uh, I'm just going to work really hard. And I'll be real honest about my... Uh, schedule and when I worked and when I didn't and when I'm there at work, I'll work hard and and I'll, I'll try not to swear right in front of them and and they'll know I'm a Christian then. Uh, no, they won't. They'll know you're a hard worker and they won't know the motivation and the motivation may be something divine or it may be selfish. They don't know why you're doing what you're doing and so you're going to have to do more than that. And so the second piece, uh, attitude, attitude, uh, thankful, hopeful. Upbeat. That's what you're targeting. Thankful, hopeful, upbeat. Like God's doing something and I'm excited to see what he's going to do. And, and yes, there's some problems ahead of us, but God's got it in hand. And the smaller your God gets, the harder it's going to be to have number two in line. It's going to be hard to have the right attitude if you believe God doesn't have it under control. And thankful and hopeful, upbeat, great attitude, okay? The first two, those are great things. Working hard with a great attitude. And uh, people will appreciate you. They may even ask you, dude, what gives? There's something different going on with you. Uh, that's great, but you're not done. To tell well, your lips have to move. You know what I'm saying? And so that's the third piece is words. Words. A passionate faith, being worshipful, being real. Hey, if you're going to be God's witness... Actions in line, attitude upbeat and thankful, and words able to explain who your God is. That's telling well, all right? 
That's your testimony making an impact in your workplace and in your family place. And I'm telling you, where people see huge chinks in the armor, your message is being hurt. Okay? And, uh, well, I'm not perfect, so now what? Uh, do a lot of praying. Uh, bring that before God Almighty humbly. And I'm telling you, when somebody calls you out on it, and they're like, oh, well, that's great if you say that's where you're at, but then what about what you did last Thursday? Right? And your answer is, yeah, I'm working on things. I didn't say I was perfect. But my God, he is perfect. You transition, man. Have humility. No justification. No rationalization for the sin in your life. The junk that's wrong is wrong. The end. You understand? The junk that's wrong is wrong. The end. There is no other story. That's where I'm at. And and please forgive me for that. You're right. That is not cool. And it needs to change. But God's got it all together. I wish I could reflect him better. You need to meet him. And that's a message that talks, all right? Tell well. So uh, this past week, actually on Friday, I got an email and uh, while I was working through this message and uh, just trying to set some things up was uh, very cool timing. And I said, hey, just want to let you know I've been coming to the church for about six months. And I just wanted to talk to you about a few things and and, uh, say thanks for a few things. But, um, well, let me just tell you a little bit of my story. I'm coming to this church because uh, I met one of the people in your body. And uh, they're probably a person that has the highest integrity I've ever seen in my industry. Uh, So this guy's in construction. And uh, he was talking to a general contractor who was helping build this building. And uh, as he talked to Joe, he was always impressed by Joe's integrity and hard work. But there was something more. He said, man, there was just something. You could see there was, a, there was an attitude. There was a happiness. There was a joy. And, the, and this. And so I started asking him questions. And in his words, he said, we had a faith talk this summer. I love those words. Faith talk. What a great prayer. Lord, please give me faith talks. Like, I love that prayer request. I'm ready, Lord. Who do you want me to have a faith talk with? And um, so we had some faith talks. And he just made it clear where he stood and how excited he was about what God was doing in his life and in this church's life and something different he was seeing here. And, and it was exciting. And, and I heard that and I thought, I need that. And so he started coming. And he's been coming for the last six months with his family now. And what a huge privilege uh, when God works through you to share the greatness of what he's doing in your life, just that little bit, and you're able to share it out. And somebody goes, I get that. And I'd love to have that in my life. And, and I'm going to go over there and see if I can see that God too. And that's what we're talking about. Hey, is God at work in your life? Like you're the only advertisement this church should have. Do you know what I'm saying? We do not want to do this hardcore, nonstop, externally uh, advertising. You're our billboards. And, and as you're on fire for Christ... And as you're working hard for him, and as you have this awesome attitude towards Jesus and whatever problems he puts you in, because he will put you in the problems, just so you know, uh, the message God is not sending is, come to know me, there will be no struggles. That's not in the Bible. I don't know where people read that. They make that up. It sounds good to them. Here's the message. Come follow me. You'll struggle with the same things the rest of the world does, but with my power and my viewpoint and my hope. And I'm telling you, they're going to look at you and go, how? How does it work like that? 
I don't get it. What's going on in your life? And then you have a chance to share. That's God at work in our lives, all right? You on fire for him, telling well that we have a savior, a hope, the one glorious Lord. And Lord, we can't wait to meet you and get to know you more and more each day. That's it. You on fire. So here's my question for you. Uh, What is it you need to work on in order to tell well? Uh, Is it the actions? Is it the attitude? Maybe it's just being bold enough to share the words. Uh, Where are you at? Maybe you're like, uh, I'll take all three, please. What needs to be worked on? And Lord, please help me be that for you. I want to tell well of your salvation and of your hope. Lord, I want to have a faith talk. And I'm ready to talk for you that you might get the greater glory. All right. So uh, fear not, tell well. And then the last piece is uh, worship passionately. He is our God, our creator and king. Worship passionately. He is our God, creator and king. And uh, so just starting at verse 14 here. Thus says the Lord, your redeemer, the holy one of Israel. God's going to throw some names out now and we really need to pay attention. Uh, Thus says the Lord, your redeemer, your redeemer. He bought us with Jesus Christ's blood. And uh, 1 Peter 1, 18 and 19, New Testament now to echo this. He says, knowing that you were redeemed or ransomed from the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver and gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. Lord, thank you for being our lamb. Lord, thank you for redeeming us. Redeemer, uh, the holy one of Israel, none other like him, the holy one. How many are like that? Right. How many are like him? The Holy One of Israel. And Lord, I want to know you, the one true God. I'm ready to hear from you, Lord, the Holy One of Israel. He says, for your sake. Can you believe that? God is that awesome and he's at work with us, through us, around us, for us. You got to be kidding me. Look, it doesn't mean we're all that. It means God's amazing to pour it on us when we didn't deserve it. You know what I'm saying? Uh, For your sake, uh, I send to Babylon and bring them all down as fugitives, even the Chaldeans and the ships which they rejoice. Again, we're talking about a king with captives, and he's winning a war, and he's making trades for his people and caring for them. He says at the end, I am the Lord, your Holy One, the Creator of Israel, your King. I am the Lord, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. Man, that's in here a lot, isn't it? Yahweh is personal name. That's who I am. And I am your creator. I made you. I know everything about you. I've got you in hand. Trust me now. Let's take one step together. Here we go. What is that thing you're struggling with in life? What is that thing that's got you kind of nervous? Where's that next big step God's having you take? And Get ready. God's taking it with you as creator. And then his last statement. I love this phrase. He says, I am your king. 
I am your king. Revelation 19. Fast forward. Get a little bit of a glimpse of what this king is about. Verses 11 and verse 16. He said, Then I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. The one sitting on it is called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. This is when Jesus Christ is returning to put everything straight physically and finally. And he says, On his robe and on his thigh he has a name written, King of kings, Lord of lords. That's our Savior. Amen? King of kings and Lord of lords. We worship the King Almighty. He rules over everything. He rules in this world. He has it all in hand. He is holy. He is great. He is sovereign. He is almighty. There is nothing that happens except that he says, I allow it or I disallow it or I cause it. My God in charge. I worship him, the almighty king. You have my attention, Lord. I am ready to fear nothing but you. You've got my eyes. And I'm ready to tell of you well in action and in attitude and in words, Lord, any faith talk, anywhere, anytime that you get the greater glory, may you be worshiped with these feet. I'm ready to give you my everything, Lord. You're my king. Amen. That's what we need to be saying. You are my king. You are my king. That's our God. Just say it with me. You are my king with all you got. You are my king. Tell him like you mean it. You are my king. That's our God. Every day as you spend time with him. You are my king. I fear nothing because of you. I'm ready to tell anyone about you. And you've got my worship. Our God saves. Amen. And that's why we worship him. Let's pray.